and we met in their home and it was a hut you know and we were worshiping and praising god and uh, there was a guitar there so uh, uh, one of the guys jay he played and then Kay played and uh, worshiped the lord and i was sharing with them what, what a privilege it is to be part of the family of god where we are just one and there's doesn't matter where we are um united in christ and so it just brought back mem- memories of that and i'll be i'll be sharing more about that um in fact we'll pray now because it was going to be men- meant to be a bit of a uh, we're going to have a, a missionary focus but i think i think i'll just pray for sam and hannah and their uh, family and then we'll come to god's word lord thank you so much that you have called sam and hannah and their children lord you don't just call one you call a family and you will equip and are equipping them and blessing them Thank you, Lord, for their sacrifice that they've been willing to pay, for the willingness that they have a heart of, of a, with a heart to serve you and to give themselves to a people, Lord, who are very different to them in culture and language, practice, and yet, Lord, for whom Sam and Hannah have a great love. And we would pray, Lord, that you would continue to bless them to the Nepali people, And Lord, as they seek to work, and and as Sam teaches in the Bible College, would you give him all the enabling and equipping that he needs with an incredibly busy schedule that he has of teaching and administering and working with the staff and the pupils, the students. Lord, would you, we pray, use him greatly in your purposes in establishing young men and women of Nepalese origins and 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 uh, of, of, of some from the the most um, obscure places where they've come from to be part of that Bible college, would you use Sam in the establishing them in their faith and their love for Christ? And we pray as well, Lord, that you would answer their prayers regarding their family, the education of their children, regarding the uh, need for transport, Lord, for protection on those roads. Lord, for wisdom to know how to progress the work, for decision-making regarding where to go, uh, to, uh, what to do regarding the next, the visa application. And we pray that you would answer all of these prayers for your glory and for your honor. Bless them. We thank you for them. We thank you as well, Lord, that we are here tonight and we can come and read your word and study it and listen to you and worship together in song. We thank you for this wonderful privilege. You put it in our hearts to be here. You've given us a desire to be here, Lord, and we we are hungry for you. We want to know you. We want to know you more, and we want to hear from you. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a couple of things. We're going to look at Mark 10, but let me just mention some things that are going on. Um, so next Sunday, there's a lunch, and this is Naomi's fundraising lunch. So um, if you'd like to be part of that after the morning service, put your name down. There's a list there, and the idea is um, to enjoy the lunch. I think she said it's a roast, and then to give whatever you feel you can uh, as a donation. And that money will go towards her going to the States to finish off her Bible college studies there in uh, in America, so that's uh, so. But she needs to know how many people are going to go. So please put your name down if you haven't and you'd like to be part of that. So that's next Sunday, and then the following Sunday 
it's the Story Sunday. So a fortnight today, we've got a guest service, and we've got Roger Carswell coming. And uh, so he would normally be preaching a gospel message. Well, he'll do that, but I've asked him as well to share his story. Um, and uh, that's something to really think about if we can f- invite friends to, bring friends to, and um, it's because it's going to be a gospel message. And then following that, on the, that's the 4th of November, then there's the church lunch. And, uh, and it's the big lunch. In other words, it's going to be another... Um, lunch that's prepared for us is there a sheet for that as well Meg so there's a sheet for that as well please put your name down on that I think oh and and then what uh, we in November October November is going to be our month of encouragement another month of encouragement where we're re- meeting up to read the Bible together with somebody else uh, another person and I want to encourage you to be part of that and uh, we've got two passages. I've chosen two passages, which, are, as, as Anwin said this this morning, are much easier uh, than the last two passages. In, in that, it's preparation, really, for Christmas. The beautiful passages, Luke chapter 1. And uh, it's all about John, uh, the uh, angel's declaration to uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth and then to Mary. So... Uh, Look, some passages to look forward to. So if you, I'd like to encourage you to be part of that, to meet up with someone. And whether you, uh, and, and, and if you'd like to be part of that, please put your name down. A number have put their names down already on that sheet. Um, and if you want to be paired up with somebody, just tick the box. Lastly, uh, I just got this message from Linda Jessup. Actually, it's not Linda Jessup, it's Linda June Jessup's daughter. Um, Phil, mum has been moved. Mum was moved yesterday, so this was on must have been Friday, to Buttermere, room twenty nine, Beckfield, seventy Bolton Lane. I know Bolton Lane. Is that where? You it's just above. It's, it's that one on the corner, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, June, June Jessup's uh, been moved to there. Four-week assessment to see if she could manage going home. Yeah, okay. Let's turn to Mark's Gospel, shall we? Chapter 10. I'd like to read from verse 46. and I'm following the New King James. So Mark 10, verse 46. We're, we're, we're looking in our series um, of encounters with Jesus tonight at the the, the healing of blind Bartimaeus so we're going to read Mark 10 verse 46 then they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude blind Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus sat by the road begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out and say Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, 
that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Before before looking at that, I, I want to just address a couple of problems which appear in the text, or, or at least apparent problems, in the three gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's, it's recorded in, in all of those gospels. Mark starts off his account in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 46, with this. Then they came to Jer- Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Mark, Mark tells us that it was as, as they went out of Jericho. Matthew also tells us that. But Luke, and you don't need to turn to it unless you want to, Luke 18.35 says this, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. So Mark and and Matthew said that it was as he was coming out of Jericho. Luke says it was coming into Jericho. What's that all about? I thought this was the word of God. I thought I, this was inspired. Little details like that. Then Mark and Luke tell us about the blind man who was healed called Bartimaeus. But just turn to Matthew, chapter 20, verse 29. 20, verse 29, says this. Now, as they departed from from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of God. Now, isn't that a bit of a discrepancy? I mean, who's got their wires crossed? And people have latched onto these sort of things and said, well, you can't trust the Bible. Uh, you know, this, isn't, this is supposed to be the inspired word of God. You know, one gospel account says one was healed, one says it was two people. And I believe we need to, we need to be able to give an answer to that because we believe this is the inspired word of God. And actually, it's not too difficult to reconcile the differences. So as far as whether it was one or two who were healed, the answer is it was two. But Mark and Luke just highlight blind Bartimaeus. Simple. They just focus on the one. That's all it is. That actually happens on on other occasions in the Gospels. Um, In the story of the man who was possessed by evil spirits, the land of the Gadarene. Um, We've actually looked at that already. Mark and Luke mention one man. Matthew mentions two men who were actually possessed and and, and bound. uh, But but Mark just focuses on one of them, as, as does Luke. So here... In Mark's Gospel, Mark just focuses on the one man, blind Bartimaeus. 
What about the Jericho issue? Was Jesus going to Jericho or was he coming from Jericho? One solution would be that there were actually two Jerichos at the time of Jesus, both about 50 miles northeast of Jerusalem. There was the old Jericho, which went back to the days of Joshua, which was mostly abandoned, and there was the new Jericho, which became Herod the Great's winter capital, apparently, in the first century BC. And it was still a vibrant city in Jesus' day, a very prosperous city. So it's possible that the miracle happened as Jesus was leaving one and heading towards the other. So that's possible, possible answer. And in fact, when you think about it, the, the fact that there are so-called discrepancies in these gospel accounts actually could be and is evidence that these are genuine. The gospel writers would certainly have had access to the other gospel accounts. And they could have easily squared up their accounts if they'd wanted to, you know, in order to make it uniform. But they, they, di they didn't see the need to. Why? Because they were accurate. They weren't fabricated. And, and some have claimed, well, it was the church who invented these stories. Well, if the church invented these stories and wrote about them, they did a pretty bad job, didn't they? Leaving discrepancies like that. The fact that they didn't change things to some is, is a reassurance that the accounts can be trusted. And there are times when you think, well, I don't know, this isn't quite add up. And sometimes you just say, well, sometimes we don't know and you have to trust the Lord. And other times there are reasons, there are ways to get rounded or ways to answer why they are. So let's think about this accurate record of Bartimaeus. And I want to focus on just on three of the main participants in the drama. So there's the call callous crowd. Excuse me a minute while I just... I'll bring this up to a sensible level. Sorry, Adrian, don't mean... So, so the, the, there's the callous... <laughs> there's the callous crowd. <laughs> there's the compassionate Jesus... And there's the converted blind man. So first of all, the callous crowd. Jesus and his disciples, they're walking from Jeru Jericho to Jerusalem. There were crowds all around him because it was approaching the time of the Passover. There would have been hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people on this road, all making their way in the same direction. And as Jesus was walking with his disciples, the, the, the crowds flocked around Jesus. He was a popular, popular figure. They wanted to hear him. They wanted to be near him. So verse 46, going back to uh, the passage, Mark 10. And verse 46. Uh, then they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, there was a great multitude around Jesus and by the side of the road there was this man begging a blind man two blind men but we're going to focus on the one on Bartimaeus now he, he wouldn't have been or they wouldn't have been the only ones begging they, this was a very popular route so Jericho was a prosperous city it was the time of the Passover so if you were a beggar, you would have known where to beg. So there would have been others along this route. 
It was a prime spot to be begging. So here's this man, and no doubt it was a dusty track. He was begging as the crowds go by. As he was begging, just imagine the noise of the crowd, the volume began to increase. And he no doubt would have asked what was going on. He couldn't see. Why was there so many people, so much excitement? He was told it was Jesus of Nazareth passing by. And immediately he begins to call out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 48 says, Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Why did the people react like that? Simply, I think it was because he was being a nuisance to them. He was disturbing them. He was making a nuisance of himself. And it says he cried out even more. And the word for cried out, it's the Greek word karadzo, and it's a strong word, which means to shout, to scream. He screamed at the top of his voice. Now, I am not generally a shouter. So I'm not going to try. It's okay. You'd probably thank me for that. But if I'd been in blind Bartimaeus's position, I think I would have shouted at the top of my voice. And he shouted out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And it's the same word used in Revelation 12 of the screaming of a woman who is giving birth. So it's a very strong word. He screamed in anguish and desperation at the top of his voice. And the tense of the verb says he kept on doing it. He didn't shut up. So that's why the crowd got said, be quiet, you know. Not quite as polite as that, I'm sure. They, they, they found it offensive. They found it... They, they were really, really upset by this man who was creating, causing such a commotion. I'm, I'm sure that most, many of those who live there, not necessarily the, the visitors, but the local people would have known the man, and I'm sure they would have spoken very roughly to him if they'd, if they'd known him. And I just found it ironic, really, when I was thinking about this, because here the crowd were enjoying Jesus. They were enjoying, they wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to listen to Jesus. They, 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 they wanted to enjoy being there. And there was somebody who was being a nuisance and they didn't want anything to do with him. And they said, you be quiet, be quiet, shut up. And I was thinking about interruptions when you're in the Lord's work. Interruptions can be really annoying. <laughs> In the last one, you're busy. You, you know, there's a sense in which annoyance, we, we can get irritated and, and I don't have time for this person. I don't have time to do this. The phone calls at the wrong, just when I'm sat down for a meal and um, the door knocks and, and, and oh, not door, door knocks, somebody knocks at the door and, and it's, it's always at the wrong time. And interruptions are hard to deal with. I find that hard. I've, I've, I'd, I'd, I'd still don't find that easy to, to deal with that. And sometimes we can be going about the Lord's work and we get annoyed when people take our time and people interrupt us. But the, And the crowd were callous. And I have to learn from that because we're going to go now to the compassionate Jesus and see he was very different. The compassionate Jesus reacted very, very differently. 
So Jesus is walking with his disciples. People are crowding around him, talking, laughing, children are playing. And he hears this man crying out somewhere, we don't know how near he was, at the top of his voice. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People were telling him to be quiet. He shouted even louder. And it says in verse 49, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. He'd heard the cry. And he stopped, commanded the man to be brought to him. So Jesus was alert to hearing just the one man in the crowd, and he made time for him. And this was a man who didn't really matter to the rest of the people and wasn't important to him, to them. In fact, it, this was a person who was a nuisance. And Jesus gave time to him. And what's significant to me is that if you go back to verse 32, Mark 10, verse 32, this is what it says. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him and the third day he will rise again. So Jesus, he's walking along the road, people are thronging him, and his mind is fixed on Jerusalem to his death, his, his, his impending crucifixion, and the suffering to the betrayal and the suffering. That's the, that, this is all about his reason for coming. That was his priority now, and his mind was set, and it was clearly preying on his mind, absorbing his thoughts. You know, if you, if you knew that you were going to die in just a few days' time, that you only had that time to live, that would change everything, wouldn't it? About your perspective, how you would view things. And it, just, it wasn't just that he was going to die, he knew how he was going to die, what he was going to suffer as he died, and the enormous enormity of bearing the sins of the world. So you can imagine how his thoughts must have been taken up with that. And it would have been perfectly understandable, wouldn't it, if he hadn't had time at that particular moment to stop and take care of one blind beggar. And yet that's exactly what he did. He didn't mind being interrupted with all of that that was on his mind. And that's hard, isn't it? When, when there's a load on your mind and you've got so much going on in, in your life and things, and then an interruption comes. And it can be hard. We get, imp I mean, I'm speaking personally. We can get irritated, we get impatient and abrupt with someone. And we can be very, very selfish. And we think to ourselves, I don't have time for this. And it's costly to care. And yet care we must. Because Jesus cared. Love suffers long. 
doesn't behave itself rudely. Love doesn't seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. So Jesus, even though his mind was taken up with all that lay before him, allowed himself to be interrupted. He gave himself to this man's need. And his compassion meant that he didn't allow the plans he had and the things he knew he had to do to squeeze out someone who needed his time, who needed to be with him. And it's a, it's a wonderful demonstration, example of kindness and love in practice. He'd only just said in Mark 10, verse 45. Let me see where that is. Sorry, not... Um, yeah, verse, in verse 45, this is what he just said. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus had just taught that. I've come to serve. And then immediately... As this demonstration of what that meant. And he lives it out in practice. And we need that mind, don't we? May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day. By his love and power controlling all I do and say. And we need to be ready to confess our sin to God and our proneness to being self-centered. And we need to practice that in the church first of all. Or we'll never practice it in the world. Uh, Galatians 6 verse 10. Galatians 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Especially to those. So that means being willing to give time to others, to be mindful of others, to be considerate and to be thinking about others, whether people we know or we don't know, maybe strangers or visitors. But it's actually putting love in practice. Now, I think some people are naturally loving, naturally loving and caring, while others of us aren't. Some of us, uh, I know, some are naturally outgoing, and more easily mix with people and speak to people, while others of us are more private or shy or introverted. But whoever we are and whatever our temperament, God calls us to be kind and loving and caring and considerate. And to express that in our own way, through our own personality, whatever our makeup. And God lives us and lives in us to do that. So that really is one thought, and it's probably a one thought sermon, really, one thought message. Uh, from this but I just want to go on to the last part which is I've called it number three the converted blind man the converted blind man Jesus called the man to come to him verse 50 Mark 10 verse 50 so and it says and throwing aside his garment he rose and came to Jesus and I was thinking about that you know it's not like he would have had a whole wardrobe of coats. I would have think that was his only garment, very likely. He threw it aside to go to Jesus. Now, he was blind. So how was he going to get his garment back? And there was something desperate there, wasn't there, when I was thinking about it. 
maybe of expectancy. He was a beggar, barely surviving on what was given to him. That garment would have been just the one thing he possessed probably. Yet he threw it aside in his excitement to get to Jesus. I think God gave this man faith to, to, to believe something, that something was going to happen. And God does give, God gives faith. And that, that, I think that's a testimony. I've heard it over and over again. It's true in my own life. In certain situations, God gives you a measure of faith for certain things that maybe you didn't feel that you had. And it just comes from nowhere, maybe, but it's, it's there. Maybe a t- something that you, and it might be that somebody's going through something right now and it's, it's, it's just insurmountable. You can't see a way through. The gift of faith is, is a, the faith is a gift. And we can look to God for the gift that's needed to meet that circumstance. It might be a challenge or a closed door that needs opening. We can ask God, I think, I believe, for that gift of faith. That God will give some, God will help us to believe. I believe some have that faith, the gift of faith for our new building project. I mean, we, we all are called to believe God, but there are some in the church who've just got that gift of faith. They know that's going to happen. That's, 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 and, and God uses that to encourage others. And so Jesus said to the man, verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, Rabboni, which means teacher or beloved teacher, that I may receive my sight. And verse 52 says, Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Jesus recreated the amazing miracle. He recreated his eyes. And all of the sort of mechanisms connected to the eye so that the man could see. It's interesting, sometimes Jesus touched people. Sometimes he used clay and spat in the clay and used that. Sometimes he called for faith, sometimes he didn't. There was no one suit fits all, size fits all. He healed in many different ways. But his healings were total and complete. And a greater miracle, I believe, happened to Bartimaeus that day. I believe his spiritual eyes were restored. He was given spiritual sight. And a clue to that is given when he cried out. He didn't just cry, Jesus of Nazareth. He cried out, Jesus, son of David. That was the common title for the Messiah. Their long-awaited Messiah. He, uh, he, he was blind, but he was given an insight. Wow, this is the Messiah. Never seen this man before. This, this man he'd heard, Jesus of Nazareth. Never met him. And yet he was given this insight. This is the Messiah. The son of David. So here's a blind man, and he spent his day sitting on the ground begging as people passed by. And he's given this amazing insight that this man, who he had possibly heard about, but never met, was the long-promised Messiah. Must have been the Spirit of God at work. And in desperation, he cries out, Have mercy upon me. He, he recognized his need. He didn't deserve it. That's mercy. Take pity on me. Look at my situation. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And the word translated well isn't the word in Greek meaning healed. It's the Greek sozo. 
which is to be saved. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. He'd asked for mercy and he received mercy. And he, gave, and he gave evidence of a true conversion. He followed Jesus, the evidence of his salvation. And then just lastly, there's a confirmation that he was saved because we know his name. Blind Bartimaeus. Very few people who were healed or touched we know the name of. When you think about it. Mary Magdalene was one. I could think of Mary Magdalene. I could think of Lazarus. Not many others we know the name of. So why does Mark give his, us his name? I think a good answer would be that because this man became a believer and became well known to the church by the time Mark wrote his gospel. And this was the way for Mark to tell the conversion story of someone who was familiar to his readers, blind Bartimaeus. And so as the church heard this read out, they would hear the story of the conversion of someone who was by then greatly known or not well known to them. So the story of a man who received his sight. It's a great story. Bartimaeus didn't know it. This was his last chance. Jesus never passed that way again. It was his last chance of encountering Jesus. It was his last opportunity. If he missed that opportunity, not only would he never have seen physically, he would never have ever been saved. That's so important, isn't it? That he was desperate. Desperate. And he wouldn't be dissuaded. He wouldn't be quietened. He wouldn't be shut up. He had to be saved. He had to be healed. And so I think there is a time to be desperate. And there's a time for us to cry out to God. And if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, be desperate. Because you might not get another chance. That's, that's, that's the reality of the situation. There's Sometimes the, the, the word of God emphasizes that today is the day of salvation. God doesn't always keep on speaking. doesn't always keep on speaking. So if you've never had your eyes, spiritual eyes open to who Jesus is, and you've never received that healing of your sins forgiven, then tonight, cry out to him and ask him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this account of not only a miraculous healing, but of a wonderful salvation. And it reminds us, Lord, one of how gracious and compassionate you are. You're always, you were always, and you showed how you were always willing to be interrupted. You were always willing to take time out for people, to care for people. Help us, Lord, we pray. It's easy for us to want to do that now, but when we are inconvenienced it is hard lord help us we pray to be moved by the love of christ to die to ourselves and to really want to please you in every situation to show that love but lord thank you as well for the reminder that you had mercy on someone who didn't deserve mercy but you gave him the gift of faith and you put within him a will, a desire to be saved, to be healed and to, to be saved. And Lord, we pray 
that you would do that. Maybe somebody tonight needs to do that, needs to cry out to you, to ask for Jesus, for the healing that Jesus brings, the healing that Jesus brings to the soul. Lord, give that gift of faith, I pray. And then, Lord, help us, we pray as well, as we go about our daily lives, Lord, to be always expecting you to be working in other people. Lord, we want our friends to be given that gift of faith. We want our family members. We want our neighbours. Lord, we want our colleagues to come to Christ. Lord, would you put within them that same desperation, that same gift of faith to cry out to Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought I was thinking of a hymn, hence the Sankey hymn book. This is an oldie one, and I think we're not going to. We are going to sing it, but we're not going to sing it. We're going to sing it unaccompanied. But I need to know if there's more than three of us at night, and I'm sure. I'm sure we do. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. It's four eight eight. So there's enough in there. How many know it? Please let me know. A few of us. Good. That's good. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Uh, it's a really solemn hymn in a way, isn't it? It's a cry that we wouldn't be the one to be left out. And while God is calling others, we could be left out if we don't. And uh, I know this God really used this in my life to challenge me as well. I'll, I'll just sing the chorus, just to get you in. For those of you who don't know the tune, the chorus. Saviour, Saviour. Saviour, Saviour, hear my humble cry. And while others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Oh, that's great. What a choir. Let's stand and we'll sing this. So it goes. Pass me not, O gentle Saviour, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Saviour, Saviour, hear my humble cry. And while others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at the throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Saviour, Saviour, hear my humble cry. And while others are what calling, do not pass me by. Let's, let's read verse 3. Trusting only in thy merit, would I seek thy face. Heal my wounded, broken spirit. Save me by thy grace. Let's sing verse 4. 
Thou, the spring of all my comfort, more than life to me. Whom have I on earth beside thee? Whom in heaven but thee? Saviour, Saviour, dear my humble cry. And what others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Amen. Let's say the grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. 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 And uh, thank you. Forget there's a cup of tea and coffee.